0: I think theology's for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach.
1: I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in
0: church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? I know.
2: Welcome to the broadcast folks, this is Michael Patton, I'm joined by Tim Kimberly and Sam Storms for Theology Unplugged, this is the ministry of Reclaiming the Mind Ministries, we're coming to you from the Credo House in Edmond, Oklahoma, great to have you, thanks for joining us, it's uh, unplugged in the sense that we are trying to, we're trying just to sit down and talk about topics that that we may talk about whenever we're sitting in the Credo house and having a cup of coffee, but we want to broadcast this so people can be flies on the walls. And so we're trying not to be too formal with anything, and that's why you notice the broadcast is put together in such a way. Try to be unplugged.
1: Mm -hmm. Usually only Michael knows what we're going to talk about. And sometimes you don't even know. Even as you start talking, you just kind of blah, 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 blah.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's not that we're unprepared. I mean, I do want people to recognize this, that this comes – unplugged as a fruit of all of us in ministry. Sam is in pastoral ministry, has has taught uh, at seminaries, and has uh, been heavily involved in authoring books and the academia. Me and you are continually teaching theology each day. And so this is kind of like, hey, let's just sit down and relax and talk theology now,
1: less Um, formally. Yeah.
2: Uh, hopefully, we continue that with y'all folks, and you guys are enjoying it. We we would love to hear from you, just to say this up front. We'd love to hear from you what you think of the program. Send us your questions. Pretty soon here, we'll have a question and answer session. Uh, send them to Theology Unplugged at ReclaimingTheMind.org. Is that still going to be it? Yeah. Is Theology Unplugged at CredoHouse.org? Uh,
1: they could probably do either. We'll make sure both work.
2: Okay, uh, theology unplugged at uh, Send us your questions, comments, and just let us know you're listening to us. We'd love to hear a shout out from you. Anything to announce? I think we're good this week. All right, well, guys, we started last week talking about demonology, uh, fancy word uh, to describe the world of demons, and really Satan, the, the study of demons, study of the demons, thought of demons. You got you're demonology. Right. You got angelology. You've even got satanology. I, I'm I'm applying to be a Satanologist. I don't know where to apply at, but you know. <laughs>
0: is that a satologist? Is that what it is?
2: <laughs> they have they have an
1: opening at OU. Yeah, before, yeah. Uh, Satanologist. They need I, one. I would avoid that like the plague, bro. All right. All right, I will. You should focus on Christology. Well, last you? time you told us
2: that if we if we devoted too much of our time to that, we'd be running naked through the parks.
1: I, I agree. Well, I would say naked through the parks, but since you're in <laughs> yeah, we, Oklahoma, we're
2: very
0: glad that you're fully clothed today.
1: <laughs> that is right. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm not.
2: I, I don't think there's an oppression going on right now with me, but uh, you praise never the know. Lord for that. Last time we discussed, and I think one of the main points we got through last time, as we were discussing this, and we all agreed upon, was that Satan is not omnipotent, meaning all. All powerful. He is not God's equal rival. He is dependent, just like we are. With a snap of the finger, God could do away with Satan and all the demons, and it wouldn't be hard. Uh, He is not omnipresent. He is not everywhere. There is a place where he is at. There's a place where each individual demon is at as well. Don't know how many demons there are, but there is a place where they're at, and. I said last time, probably no, none of us have ever really been in the presence of Satan. Um, Out of the billions of people on the world, in the world, I don't know if he would. uh, He's probably got bigger fish to fry out there. That's the main points that I made last time. You know, I I I can't think of any times that I have ever felt like. I have been in demonic presence, really. I mean, I'm trying to think through and well, trying you, to figure this
1: out. You went through a pretty massive depression that you've been real open about on the blog. Did you sense any of that during that period of time?
2: Well, you know, I always sense generally any time you're going through depression, any time you're going through negativity, that there is an energy that that just because of my belief, mm-hmm. you know, I believe that there's an there's a sense in which the dark forces, Satan and demons, want you to roller coaster into that, to, to for it to snowball. I don't I didn't really sense that this is the origin of it, you know, and that is that is the reason why I'm going through this depression. But I did one of her one of her Angie was going through her depression. Uh my sister. This was back in two thousand and two mid-year it started, lasted all the way through 2003, and this is where she had multiple suicide attempts. And she told me, and, and here I am a pastor at Stonebrow Community Church, and, and, you know, she's living with me now, and she is crying every night, all night, calling out on me, Michael, come up here, do something about this, you know, tell God to make it stop the pain, and, and on and on she went. But she would continually say, I have a demon. As you would say, that has to be it. There, there is a demon that is doing this because it is so severe and so terrible. And, you know, here I am. Well, yeah, I believe in demons. You know, Yeah, I believe, as, as Sam said last time, in demonization, that there is an oppression that can happen and, and serious oppression. Yes, I look through the scripture and I see that whenever somebody is uh, oppressed by a demon, oftentimes they, they seem to want to kill themselves or at least, you know, the guy, the boy throwing himself in the fire mm-hmm. and, and, and having those problems, uh, hurting themselves in some sense. And so it fit perfectly within my worldview, but I didn't know what to do. And you know, I sat there with her and she, whenever she said, Michael, I have a demon, you've got to do something. And I looked at her and I said, Angie. I'll do what I can, but I don't know what to do except for to pray. And I laid my hand on her and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, demon, Satan, whatever it is, you have no authority here. Come out of her, leave her. If you're in her, quit oppressing her, whatever. But I come in the authority of Christ and that's how I left it. Now there was no change after that. There was no big struggle or, you know, she didn't start shaking or anything like that. I, I felt really bummed out about my uh, powers because, you know, whenever somebody comes up and whenever somebody's like Angie was, that's a perfect qualification for me in my mind of uh, oppression because, I mean, it was terrible, you know, suicide all the time and saying you have a demon. Mm-hmm. But having nothing to do. I, I didn't it, it didn't affect, obviously, because Angie ended up killing herself a few months later after this. But that's the closest I've ever come. And I always wonder, whenever I look back about that, am I lack, did, I, did I lack training that I needed? Did I lack faith that I needed? Did I, did I come at it too casually? I mean, I, I prayed to God. I said, God, if this is a demon, I, I want to do something about it. It's not about that I don't believe it. I, I will believe it. But I want to do what's right. That's the closest I've ever come to, to that type <clears throat> of thing.
0: Yeah, Those are... Um... Um, you know, those kinds of situations always leave us a little bit befuddled Because we don't know what has or has not happened And really the options are, are limited mm. um, Either uh, there was a demon and it left Or there was a demon and it was still there Or there was never a demon there in the first place seems to me that those probably are the only three options I don't like number two uh that it was there and it and it stayed stayed. well let's let's not forget um that um you know remember the the story in mark's gospel of where the the young you referenced it the man comes with, with regard to his young boy and he says your disciples tried to cast it out and they couldn't and they failed and of course jesus then talks about the nature of faith he casts the demon out of the boy and in the process The demon tries to throw the boy again down to the ground. He convulses greatly. And then Jesus says to the disciples, this kind does not come out except by prayer. And then some manuscripts add, and fasting. Jesus said, this kind of demon indicating there are certain levels and differences in terms of power and authority in the demonic realm. Jesus is saying, you're not dealing with just an ordinary demon demon here guys this kind does not come out except by extensive prayer so it may well be that there uh, is is a an especially powerful uh uh, demonic presence it may be that it is that there is in a sense an entrenched or embedded presence in a person's life for any number of reasons um could be you know ephesians 4 you were exhorted don't give place to the devil you can grant uh, access to your life. You can do things that expose you to a demonic power. Uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 exhorts the, the Corinthians to stay away from uh, these idle feasts. He says, because I do not want you to commune or fellowship with demons. And it's the same Greek word that's used to describe our communing with Christ uh, at the Lord's table, Late in the same chapter. Uh, so there are Um, there are different levels of demonic activity, different degrees of power and authority in the demonic realm. Uh, even Jesus, uh, uh, you know, it talks about how he was telling a demon repeatedly, most likely, uh, to come out, uh, indicating that not even in the case of our Lord was there always an immediate and instantaneous deliverance. So, um, it, it's uh, the, the analogy that I use, and I know we're getting off into an entirely different, not different, but kind of a little bit of a tangent here. Uh, the analogy is when you're telling your children to obey, and um, they might pretend not to have heard you, and then you have to repeat it, and then they might uh, give an excuse, or, and then you continue to tell them, no, do it now, and they might then come up with a rationalization as to why it's not that important. Or you tell them again to obey, and they say, well, I'm going to go talk to mom and see if I can get her to get, be on my side. And eventually, they yield and submit to your parental authority. Well, the demonic uh, will do everything they can. They will employ every means possible to evade and avoid having to submit. So it's not that we tell a demon and it goes, but we tell a demon until it goes. And sometimes hmm. that can be a prolonged process. Hmm. But well, that gets into a lot of deeper issues, <laughs> needless mm-hmm. to say.
2: Well I, well, I do want to talk about that a little bit and try to figure out, you know, what, what are the – if if there's a ministry that we need to be aware of as far as our uh, – our, Role in the Great Commission and, and, and making disciples and representing Christ, if there is this ministry that has to do with recognizing and, 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 and battling the demons in some sense. But let me, before I get there, I want to ask a couple of questions that are more theological in nature as far as, uh, as far as origins are concerned. We talk about demons and we talk about angels and we talk about them almost as if they're kind of the same species, but one went bad, one went good. Is that right? And why, I mean, are demons fallen angels? Is that what they are?
0: Well, we know they are called angels. Um, the lake of fire was prepared for the Satan and his angels, hmm. and it 's the same Greek word. So yes, we know that they are angels, uh, so in that sense they 're the same species. Uh, yes, they are fallen. Well, we know that for the simple fact that God does not create anything that is inherently and intrinsically evil. Hmm. So, there had to have been a creation of good angels, and at some point, in some way, there had to have been a fall or rebellion of sorts. You know, there are a couple of texts, uh, uh, one in Ezekiel, one in Isaiah, that are traditionally appealed to as referring to the Original fall, although there's a lot of debate about whether those texts actually refer to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Many scholars, yeah, many scholars think it's simply a reference to um, earthly kings and their arrogance and their rebellion against God.
2: And if it did only have to do with them, that takes away a lot of our understanding of the origins of Satan. You know, yeah. The fact of the
0: matter is, we we aside from those texts, we really don't have an explicit passage describing the original fall. Of The The, the Isaiah,
2: the Ezekiel, and then sometimes even the Revelation passage, which is even more obscure than those, where it talks about uh, the dragon pulled down a third of the stars, and then all of a sudden that dragon, Satan, and a third of the stars, or one third of the angels, and when did this happen? This happened at creation, you know, and... We
1: read a lot into that,
2: which we can't
1: really. Right. Well, what we know for sure is in the book of Genesis when, when the serpent comes to tempt Adam and Eve that this is already set up, yeah. that it is already in place. At least with the serpent,
2: which which yeah. I would say that the serpent is identified with Satan because of Revelation, the mm-hmm. serpent of old you know, in Revelation. So it seems mm-hmm. to be pretty clear that that serpent we can say by New Testament understanding of Old Testament text – the serpent in the garden
1: was satan but had all the serpent. angels fallen yeah. by then and stuff i mean we really wouldn't know that'd be an argument from silence
0: yeah you're right we don't know i think i think a, a fairly solid case could be made for the fact that um, the um, the rebellion by a certain portion of the angelic realm including lucifer was pretemporal that it antedated the the creation because you say there was satan was present uh, in the garden Um, when and how that happened the bible honestly is simply largely silent
1: i think it'll be a great mystery that we'll we'll learn about one day much later than now
0: we certainly have no narrative uh, portrayal of this as we do for the fall of man well Mm -hmm.
2: i've always imagined it that god created man god created man in his image and i'm You know, this is an imagining, and I'm not saying this is my doctrine. But I've always thought, whenever he created man, there was a sense in which he had a particular relationship with man that the angels did not have, and you know, maybe that was a cause for rebellion because of the creation, and because of God's relationship, and because of the image of God in which we were created, and because possibly the the role of angels within this creation. I am not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna go down and be a messenger or a servant in any sense to these people type thing. Hey, let's, uh, you know, Satan falls in rebellion and who knows, who knows if the fall, does it seem to be that the fall for angels is, is a definite time or is it a progressive fall? Is it a fall that we could say could happen still. I mean, can the angels still fall?
1: Well, I mean, Sam said it was. He felt like it was atemporal, That I mean, this could have existed outside the realm of our universe being created of the concept of time that we have as human beings. And so, uh, so you know, you could now is God. We know God is outside of time. Would angels be outside of time as well? Probably not, since they were our created beings. You know, they can point towards their their genesis to their beginning uh, in some sort of space time uh, type. Continuum, I would say, um, but but I mean, I think at a root, scripture for me, at least, my perspective doesn't really say like did an angel fall today. I don't know.
0: Yeah, we don't have any we don't have any evidence to that effect. We do know Paul talks about the elect angels, hmm. so we know there is a division in the angelic realm as there is in the human realm. There are the angels that are elect, and obviously, therefore, those that aren't. Uh, the question of whether the rebellion or the fall can be ongoing or was it a definitive one-time event that predated the creation of the universe. That's what I would believe. Uh, I can't prove it from the text of Scripture. Again, we're, we're just left to speculate here.
1: And it seems like they don't procreate. You right. know, Christ it seems to be clear with that. And there's no but,
0: repentance. As, uh, yeah. There's no indication that there's any hope for the salvation of uh, of the fallen demonic realm, you know Hebrews talks about he did not take on the nature of angels, but of of mankind, mm-hmm. of flesh and blood. Uh, it is for our redemption that the incarnation came about. There's no indication that there will be a redemption among uh, the fallen. Have you ever heard among- Saint
2: Thomas Aquinas' theory of angels and why they're not redeemed? He he saw them all as individual species. Not that there's no species called angels. Uh, because there's no bloodline within the angels, and and uh, there's no procreation, so one angel is not from the other. So there's no physical connection, uh, or any spiritual connection between them. You know, they're all responsible for their own selves in that sense. And so whenever God created the angels, he had to create them all individually. And because he created them all individually, in that sense in which Aquinas was talking about it, they're all their own individual species. And so his theory was that if Christ was to try to provide a way of redemption for the angels, not saying that Christ couldn't do this, but, but his theory was, he would have to become each individual angel because he could not be a
0: representative head
2: for the angelic race, like he is for.
0: Leave it to Aquinas to come <laughs> yeah. up with a theory like that. <laughs> he it's came almost- up
1: with a the theory as he was running through the park naked. You know did.
0: <laughs> Well, you know, there's a similar another theory that Augustine had that uh, in trying to ascertain the uh, the number of the elect, he said that uh, he believed the number of the, the elect in, in the in the human race was equivalent to the number of the angels that fell, that there was this idea that mm. God was going to replenish, replenish in heaven by um, his elect people the number of the angels who rebelled with Satan. And again, there's there's no text of Scripture that... Supports that it was pure speculative, but
2: Aquinas was the angelic doctor, so I'm going with him on that. But he was also the dumb ox, so he wouldn't run (laughs) through the park, he might amble uh, slowly. (laughs) Okay, let's say, let's just go with this theory for a minute, all right? And remember, people were speculating. This is where you get into you know, we're going to teach about demons and angels, but you have to do a lot of speculation at some point. Um, I I think that the common idea on this whole thing about angels and demons is that all angels and demons are kind of under this head, and his name is Satan, and they get their orders from him. And each day, you know, they kind of carry out their orders. And we go, we, we get our cue from screw tape letters too, as well. You know how how uh, C.S. Lewis great book about uh, Wormwood writing to his pupil and and advising him on how to deceive and, and trick and, and to lead his uh, his subject, human subject, away. Um, And I don't know if that's true. I don't know really how it works, but I did read a book that is called The Spirit of the Rainforest. This was assigned to me by Scott Horrell at Dallas Theological Seminary, and Scott Horrell came to us one time and spoke on demonology and demon possession and that sort of stuff as a pastoral staff at Stonebriar because he had just experienced a lot of this. But he he had us read The Spirit of the Rainforest. And in The Spirit of the Rainforest, it talked about, a, you know, in South America, a certain group of people that had to deal with this spiritual animism all the time, this this idea that, that there are spirits and, and, and uh, things in the trees and in the leopards and in the birds and on and on they went. Well, the guy who wrote this is a converted Christian. He's an evangelical now, but he's telling about his story back in the days of the tribe in this south american village and the things that just i mean all i could do every time i read this was say this is this is absolutely bizarre according to my worldview on what demons think and do because he used to talk to the animals you know the animals would have a particular voice and people would join up with particular animals and these animals would in part, their power to them, in some sense. And if you read the book, you come to the conclusion: Gosh, this guy's being really sincere. You know, he's, he's not just trying to make up a bunch of stuff about these powers that they had, and and this just bizarre, bizarre conversations that they might have with animals themselves. And, you know, e- either you go to the conclusion this guy's completely nuts, he's making it all up, or there's something odd going on here. But aside from the fact of the animals speaking and the things that were going on that were weird.
1: So this guy, before he became a believer, is testifying that he would actually talk with his Yeah, with I mean, he was a shaman
2: of the, of the religion, of the tribe, okay. and just was deeply involved in the spirituality of it all. But the thing that was really bizarre to me, besides all that... Was that the, the forces or the personalities that were represented in these spiritual things, these, these animals and stuff like that, were often very friendly and, and were, were often seeming confused themselves. They just seemed like they were just caught up in this worldview themselves of everything that was going on. And I know you might say, well, that's because that's part of their deception is is to deceive everybody into thinking that this uh, alternate worldview of animism is correct. Um, but I, I was left there wondering – are demons really that all together in their mind and, and organized and have this big master plan that is always going on? Or can they be themselves confused? Now, one more thing. We talk in theology about the noetic effects of sin on the human mind. We talk about since sin has entered into the world, our minds themselves are are corrupted and unable to understand and 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 uh, know things the way we used to it 's just it 's a corruption of the mind, the corruption of uh, our thinking uh, our world views get caught up in this. Is it possible that demons themselves that've been here for however long they 've been here let's say they fell at the creation, have had a noetic effect of sin on their mind to where they 're just in certain places doing certain things? Satan is not holding master meetings that because he's not on the present. But they've been over here in this tribe for four thousand years in this area, possessing animals, pigs. You know, just going from place to place, and they're just confused too. They don't even know really what's going on. Is that possible?
1: No, it's not.
2: No. Okay, <laughs> move on to the next one. <laughs> what else do you have? <laughs> but but you see what i'm saying is, is is are they really all that smart i mean maybe yes satan and maybe a bunch you've got certain ones that are in the know if you will
0: well i i think i take your point well that that the depth of their wickedness would have to have as you're suggesting perhaps a disorienting effect upon their minds and i'm assuming it's appropriate to refer to demons as having minds I mean they think obviously they speak they reason you know Paul talks in second Corinthians 2 about the designs or the schemes uh, of the, of Satan uh, particularly in uh, to disrupt uh, the unity of the local church so there's certainly strategies uh, that they employ um, but um, you know whether or not we would want to say they're stupid uh, or Or that they have um had such a disoriented effect as a result of their the depth and the intensity of their wickedness i'm not sure how, how to respond to that i don't know of biblical text that would lead us to draw that conclusion. Maybe experience would seem to bear it out but I well i mean look at look at the guys i the demoniac that says, Don't cast us into the
2: pit yet, right let us go into these pigs over here mm-hmm. and I'm like. They go into the pigs, and the pigs go drown. Now they don't have a place to go anymore, you know? I'm like, how smart was that? I mean, you know, I, I know that sounds odd, but but you're going to go drive these pigs crazy and drive them off the cliff, to the, to, and then they go and, and drown and end up dying. It just doesn't
0: seem very concerted. Well, no, but again, we have to remember that at the very – I hate to even use the word heart with reference to demons. <laughs> at the very heart or the core – of their aim is destruction they want to destroy god's creation I mean, and if you go there that makes
2: sense to me and i make sense that there are certain angels you know we, we've got different angels that we talk about in the bible you know there's certain angels that fly around the throne of god they just seem really bizarre you know they got they got wings on their feet and, and on their eyes and and they just seem to have a particular purpose you got other angels such as michael the archangel who seems to be more of a uh, uh, more of the type of angel we'd like to sit down you know and have coffee with. You know, I don't want to have coffee with those guys that are flying around the throne of God. They, they're just bizarre, and I don't even know if they talk. So you know? That's
0: another question: Do angels drink and eat? Finally, did with. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Abraham, <laughs> when they took on human form, they did. But I, I, I'm sorry, that's a, a well. Silly I mean, question. think
2: of it. You, you've got different classes of angels, different types, different looks, different feels. I mean, they're not all looking like you know a person with wings.
1: Well, and I think because there are the it seems like the different classifications. We have the the seraphim. We have Gabriel, Michael. We we know of Lucifer being. A, it seems a different classification. So I'd say how how low does the does the ladder go? Well, you how know, low?
2: Does it go with God's creation here on the earth with us? I mean, we got us, and we are we are distinct. You are a supreme
1: being, and then there are lesser humans, no, 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 right? No, 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 is that what, what you're saying? saying I'm saying
2: no? you got animals too. You got dogs. Yeah, you got okay. cats. You got rats. You got fleas.
1: So within kind of that title of angels, how lo- are there angels that don't really have minds that they're just kind of these grunts that just kind of do something exactly? That's, that's, that's what weird. I, you know. And I'd are... say that's probably possible, but it's a total argument from silence from scripture. So is what some plug? Where well, else so are we going to talk about it? It's possible.
2: God, he just he just politely <laughs> called me unbiblical. No, what
1: I'm saying is it's possible, but I mean you can't point to a verse, really. I mean you can I, you can postulate from the pigs and stuff. like that. I spent that. a lot of time telling that story, and you're just you trying did. to dismiss no, it. No, no. So you could say, hey, Sam's, if Sam's over here,
2: thoughtfully trying to. Uh, no, bring
1: it so so that book and uh, they're. Do, there does seem to be some areas where it just seems to be this mindless animism is, is totally right, but we don't know is that deception? Are they very intellectual beings who just for 4,000 years have patiently deceived these people into this animism idea? Or are they full thrown into it and they're just this... You can't say that Lucifer is that way because we seem to have a lot in Scripture that would say no, yeah. he's, he's not yeah. that way. But it could be possible that one is, but we just don't know what what's behind this. We can't look into their minds because we don't even know if they have minds to see exactly how are they doing this.
0: And again, you know, one question would come up was why the why the distinctive language used, uh, especially in Paul, maybe even uniquely in Paul, uh, we talks about thrones, dominions, powers, rulers, authorities, all these different terms. What would be the purpose of? Him of his using that kind of language, if there was no differentiation in the in, in the demonic realm, and then of course, it, wh- what is the nature of the differentiation? Is it are there different classifications? Are there different tasks or assignments? Are there different levels? Obviously, there. I do believe there are different levels of power um, uh, and authority in the demonic realm. Are there different levels of intelligence? Uh, we we really don't know, but it is interesting that this kind of language is used um, uh, to describe them, and it has to be descriptive of something substantive. Um, there's there's actually another passage uh, if I can find it quickly enough in Second Peter that uh, would would speak very much to the same thing. But you all can talk while I'm looking. Sim's always looking at his Bible. You know, we're always he's just here you know. thinking. While well, I'm he's trying looking to plug into the text. It's so. <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> okay. Yeah, here is, um, he's talking about false teachers. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. So here's a, he's talking about a differentiation in the angelic realm in terms of might and power. Um, so, I you know, it is, it does get a little bit speculative, and it, then it opens you up to saying, well, what has been your experience? What have you seen? Or, you know, this particular man who wrote this book, um, are, are we kind of left at his mercy to say, well, the Bible only takes us so far? Uh, maybe sh- we should stop at that point and not speculate further. Well, maybe what, so. Would it appear
1: to you that if we were in a room with with one of these beings, they would probably whoop us? Possibly,
2: It depends. I mean,
1: it was a but, little lower, lower yeah. ones. Could I,
2: I think I could take on one.
1: Okay, two, you know? But as Sam said, we know that in Christ, though, in we Christ, are victorious. In
0: Christ, that's it. And I don't want to joke about it. And I mean, that's why it's, not it's to be true. afraid well, of well, this. Well, in the book of Acts, you remember that incredible yeah, story? the of, brothers. Uh, yeah, when uh, the, the demon was speaking to these uh, yeah. purported exorcists. And he says, well, I know who Jesus is and how yeah, we're aware of Paul, but who the heck are you? And he they, they didn't did rip off his clothes. They did whoop him. got the tar out of him. Yeah,
1: good old-fashioned. Whooping. (laughs) Okay, I take it back. Um, Because they weren't in Christ? Well, I I do
2: live in a sense of fear of them, in the sense of uh, I live in fear of great things that God has created. But, like Sam said, very first broadcast on this, we don't live in a sense of fear of them because they have been defeated by Christ. So in Christ, it's a whole different ballgame for us, folks. I mean, that's, that's something that I don't want to lose as we get unplugged here. But I do want to continue to talk about this next time when we get together, talk a little bit more about what you said here, experience may contribute more to this particular area of theology. Because a lot of times we will go with the idea that if it doesn't say in the Bible, let's not go any further. Yet at the same time with this, throughout all of church history, we've had to look at our experiences that are out there and and interpret to some degree what it is that God would have us to do with these things. Folks, I hope we uh, didn't uh, scare you too much on this post-Halloween special on Demons, Demonology 101. I guess that's what we'll call it, Demonology 101. <laughs> I don't even know if we can call it 101, maybe just 01. <laughs> but uh, ho- hopefully you've enjoyed this, folks. Please uh, get with us, Theology Unplugged, at credohouse.org. Uh, send us your questions, your comments. We, If you get them in time for this broadcast, we may be able to entertain them. But uh, until then, we will see you next week. You've been listening to Theology Unplugged. Visit our iTunes page by searching Theology Unplugged at the iTunes store. All episodes are available as free downloads. Theology Unplugged is made possible by Reclaiming the Mind Ministries. Reclaiming the Mind Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. If you've enjoyed this session or benefited from it in any way, do consider partnering with us. For information on how to become a ministry partner and for a complete listing of ministry resources, visit the RMM homepage at www.reclaimingthemind.org Thank you for listening, and God bless.